0: Canada's UN ambassador, Bob Ray, he's someone we speak to fairly often on this show. He's just back from a very important trip, a three-day mission to Haiti. You may know just how much trouble Haiti's been under of late. Uh, Their president was assassinated uh, about 18 months ago now. There's really been no functional government there for a long time. Street gangs control, I think, about 60% of the capital. So there are no-go zones throughout. Uh, Because of it, the u n warns that uh, there are catastrophic famine like conditions for about twenty thousand people now that 's not a huge number, but imagine they 're living in the capital of a Western country um, in haiti uh, there 's also a cholera outbreak on top of that, which is another reminder of just how dire things have become. A lot of stuff is unavailable gasoline food it 's really turned into a a mess, which is you know one of those things I, I did a, a huge project back at university. On Haiti and the Haitian Revolution back in the 1800s. I mean, there was a time where Haiti was the jewel. It it was just so lush and rich and beautiful. And of course, it's been deforested and taken apart. And it's just, it's a place that is unimaginably bad now. So, Bob, part of Bob Ray's mission was to try to figure out how do you bring security first and then stability there? How do you have elections? How do you put a government back in? How do you restore order? to some extent. Um, As he was putting it, you know, the the gangs uh, outgun the police. There is no government to speak of. Um, A lot of politicians are in cahoots with different gang members. There's money to be made. A lot of that money obviously doesn't stay in Haiti. It gets funneled out of the country very quickly, as um, corruption tends to do. So major humanitarian crisis there. Bob Ray sent to figure it out, to try at least get us on the right foot. There is a... um, a meeting tomorrow, the Prime Minister is hosting a meeting of the Crisis Committee, looking over Haiti, what to do. There's some talk of trying to send in troops. That's what um, the Prime Minister, the interim Prime Minister, Ariel Henry, has asked for. He did that back in October. Uh, neighboring Dominican Republic, of course, they're not happy with what's going on. Uh, they're getting a lot of refugees in from Haiti into the Dominican Republic. They're wanting Uh, a military intervention. But of course, that comes with a huge cost. And in the past, it hasn't really worked out that well. So the Liberals are now, the Liberal government here, is now looking for, and this is what Bob Ray is looking for, Haitian-led solutions. Um, Canada sanctioned about, uh, I think it was 11 11 prominent Haitians over alleged gang ties not too long ago. We've sent some military vehicles to the country. But really, what we're looking for here is Haitian-led solutions. Um, But let's quickly begin, because Bob Ray... New Jim Carr. So there was some sad news out of Manitoba today with the death of Liberal Member of Parliament for Winnipeg so, or Winnipeg Centre rather, since 2015 and former Cabinet Minister Jim Carr. The 71-year-old had been diagnosed with cancer just days before winning re-election in 2019. He announced, it, I think, just days after. And fellow Winnipeg MP Kevin Lamoureux announced Carr's passing in the House of Commons today. I don't know how appropriate this is, but I would ask uh, my colleagues if uh, you, Mr. Speaker, could just give uh, a moment of silence. Uh, Our colleague, Jim Carr, just passed away, and I think it would be an appropriate thing if we could just have a moment of silence and a prayer. We'll stand for a moment of silence for the passing of the Honourable Member, Jim Carr. And Jim Carr was seventy-one years old. He had been fighting a uh, cancer for quite a few years now. Joining me now is Canada's ambassador to the United Nations, Bob Ray. Uh, as always, Ambassador Ray, thank you for your time. Nice to talk to you, Ben. Um, I guess starting with Jim Carr, uh, a big loss today for the for Canada's for the whole political community in Canada and
1: beyond. Uh, he seems like he was quite the man. Uh, he was a he was a thinker and was interested in. In the whole country, as well as in his his home community of Winnipeg. He spent his life working with different groups, building up community support for projects and for ideas. He worked with the Chamber of Commerce in in Winnipeg. He he worked on a number of public policy initiatives across the country. He was a voice for Western Canada. Uh, But above all, I mean, Jim was just a really, really good guy. He was extremely decent. He worked hard, he cared about people, great sense of humor. You know, he was not. Nobody's perfect, but he came pretty close. I mean, he was a really, really good person, and uh, I think he was very much appreciated in all parties. So I, I think it's important for, for us to you know take a moment, as we're doing as a country now, to reflect on, on him. His battles were, you know, with the South, his health. he had a tough time with leukemia lymphoma, and he fought hard against it. and came through at the beginning, and and then, of course, it's a a very nasty and difficult illness because it comes back at various times in various ways. I've lost my brother to it, so I'm very familiar with the challenge. And he handled it all with great grace, good grace, good good spirit. He and I spoke on the phone a bit over the last while, had a chance to really chat with him about what a relapse meant and, and what the chances were. He was under no illusions, but he kept going. He did not want to give up. Or stop working, which is what he loved to do, and he and he loved to be engaged and he was so proud to be a member of parliament and to be uh, responsible for legislation and moving it forward. so uh, he he went right to the finish line. He was a remarkable guy.
0: You're just back uh, from Haiti, uh, a place that is uh, from afar looks like it's under you know sort of a a, a form of chaos that's hard to describe. Uh, what was your what was the purpose of the trip and what did you find?
1: Well, my purpose was to continue discussions that I've been having over the last several months. I chair a, a group of countries at the United Nations. We're called the Advisory Working Group on Haiti, and it's been in place for a long time. Canada has been uh, chairing this group for a number of years, and so in my case, it sort of that that comes with the territory of being the Canadian. Had a mission, and of course the events of the last while have intensified um, the engagement, the work of the committee, as well as my own personal engagement. I came to Haiti in right after the aftermath of the earthquake in 2010, and that was total devastation. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people were killed in an instant uh, in Port-au-Prince. Uh, I don't think people could comprehend the extent of the damage, and also the the way in which you know, entire leaderships of the government were were destroyed. I, I mean, it's it's it was just devastating. The capital city of was practically wiped out, and th- that led to more intervention and help from a number of countries. It has led to an engagement by the international community to stay in solidarity with the Haitian people, and so I was been working on this for uh, since I got here. And have made now a couple of trips in the last two or three months to really try to look and see what can be done to get the government on a path towards an election and creating the basis for renewal in Haiti because it's 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 it really is in a in in very tough shape at the moment and the level of chaos is signified by the amount of the country that is under the control of of gangs those gangs uh, make it impossible for people to get a, get out and about with any security they kidnap people they've kidnapped thousands of people they've killed thousands of people and many women have been uh, sexually assaulted and abused women children are being trafficked and stolen from their families i mean no, it's just a complete devastating mess and so the prime minister of Haiti who was appointed just 2 days before the assassination of the president has asked canada to to lend more more help and has written that to the united nations and to canada and to the us so all those things together mean that it's pretty hard to turn your back and say well we're not going to talk to you no thanks we we give every year we're not going to do any more and so we've 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 talked about what more can be done to restore a level of order that will make a transition to an elected government, which means an election first, and then the government, possible, and that is a challenge right now, and we'll just have to see how that can be done. And we're continuing to to discuss this. wasn't a, a an all or nothing trip. It was just a way of furthering along the dialogue and making it clear that we're uh, we're in this for the long term.
0: I guess reestablishing order is the challenge at this point. Uh, just some of the statistics, I know one your, of your UN counterpart is right now, the humanitarian coordinator has been talking about Haiti of late. Uh, there's lots of calls about whether or not military intervention would work. Uh, what is your sense being there? I mean, obviously, the, or the, or the forces that are there need our support to re-establish some form of legitimacy and order within not just the capital, I imagine, but across the country.
1: Yeah, I mean it's not a it's not a huge country. Many Canadians may not know exactly where it is on the map. It's it's the western half of the island of of Hispaniola, which is close to Cuba, Jamaica, Puerto Rico, part of that family of countries in the northern Caribbean. Right next door to Haiti is the Dominican Republic, which is the eastern half of the island. It's not an easy situation to sort of give a prescription. I I think we have to learn from some of the mistakes that have been made in the past. There's many people who urge uh, an all-in intervention, troops, the whole schmear, thousands of troops on the ground, et cetera. We need to understand that that's been done now twice in the last while. And uh, each time we have not been left with a, what I would call a sustainable impact, an impact after the event. It's very easy to come in and stop something and, and, and stop it in its tracks and then leave. But the problem is, if if that's what you do, uh, you really haven't solved anything because you haven't given people the continuing responsibility of governing themselves in an effective way. And so we've taken some steps on sanctions, which uh, have sent, I think, a clear message to the economic elites and the political elites of Haiti to say, this corruption has to stop and this connection with the gangs has to stop. And basically pilfering money and depositing it elsewhere in the world has got to stop. And it's a it's a degree of criminality that no society could survive. It's 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 got to be put to an end. And our sanctions will do so much, but then you've got to get serious domestically. You've got to deal with corruption domestically, which means you have to have a state, and a state has to have institutions. You've got to have judges and you've got to have people who can put people in jail and you've got to have trials and you've got to make the state more powerful than the criminals and you've got to make sure that the criminals don't capture the state uh, these are all difficult things to do but we need i think we've got a better handle now than ever before on on the nature of the the challenge ahead of us
0: Bob Ray is with us this half hour, the UN ambassador, Canada's UN ambassador. He's just back from a a fact-finding mission to Haiti, uh, a country that's uh, known a lot of turmoil over the last decade, more than a decade since the earthquake there in 2010, never really been able to get back on its feet, and it's simply gotten uh, worse as time has gone on. Um, I gather there are other ways we can support existing structures, such as the police force there. Uh, How feasible is that in the short term?
1: Well, We've been doing that. Uh, that's exactly what we've been doing over the last several months. Yeah. They asked for more heavy equipment, vehicles that could withstand the firepower that the gangs have. When your criminals have more firepower than your police, you got a problem. And that's exactly what's happened in, in Haiti. It's a wash in guns. Uh, and these are not just like canned pistols or, or pop guns. These are uh, Stalishnikovs and uh, uh, very sophisticated weaponry. Uh, and so we, we've we got to make sure, in order to make sure the criminals don't simply take over, that uh, we are in a position to support the police in their training, in how they operate, and in the equipment that they have. And, and that, I think, is something that we've been doing. And now the question is, how much more of that can we do, and how quickly can it get done? And how can we make sure that everything we do is is based on the principle that it's, it's the Haitians themselves that have to be able to to deal with this question. I, I, I think that's something which we have to keep insisting on. There's always been a tendency for the economic and political elite, the country, to say, look how bad this is. You've got to do something about it. And so people go in and do something about it, and then they leave, and then the political economic elite just take over again, just say, fine, thank you very much. You've done our job. And now we're going to keep on doing what we do. And, and that, that has not been a productive cycle. And we all need to understand that. And, and so I think our approach has to be based on basic fundamentals like the rule of law. You, you've, you can't have elements of the country that are raping and killing and kidnapping and stealing, and nobody's doing anything about it, and people are getting away with it, and there's impunity everywhere in the system. That that just creates a, a a terrible terrible situation for the public, and one in which frankly people flee. Uh, people have to figure out well, how the hell do we get out of this this place, this situation. And of course, the poorest people can't leave; they have no means to to leave, and the most vulnerable. Uh, so we we really have to do what what we can to to say no. the The answer is, the answer is not to simply let the status quo continue, which is chaotic and and mean and and uh, as Thomas Hobbes once said 400 years ago nasty brutish and short we've got to make sure that we we make the the war of all against all end and and that's that requires a sovereign state to take order in hand and that's what Haiti has to do and and if it can't do that then i think the world will have to come to certain other conclusions but we're far off that point because we do have the means to help Haiti deal with the problem itself
0: I mean, it reminds me in some ways of many other places where there is lawlessness, whether it be Somalia or in Afghanistan, where it's very difficult when you have entrenched powers who benefit from the chaos, who in many ways benefit from the lawlessness that exists because they profit from it. It's very hard to reestablish order in that system without basically wiping the slate clean.
1: Well, it is hard. And and I, I think my view is that it's worth continuing to make the effort in a series of ways that will benefit the the Haitian people but we should do we should go into this situation with with eyes wide open as to the nature of the challenge that that Haiti faces and i i think it would be it would be irresponsible of us not to keep on insisting that it's Haiti itself that has to find ultimately find the solutions but even the strongest critics of the of the Haitian government and the Haitian prime minister admitted to me that the police force needed more capacity it needed more equipment and it needed a greater ability to to deal with the challenge at hand and i i think that that to me was an interesting admission on their part because it it means that there's a there really is a, a consistent view that uh, a a greater degree of of partnership with the Haitian police force is going to be required.
0: And I see that the prime minister's incident team on Haiti are meeting tomorrow. I imagine your visit will be informing part of that discussion.
1: Yes. I mean, I, I will be part of that discussion and, and part of many other discussions as well. I mean, there's obviously a keen interest at the UN in this question. There are other countries that are talking with us about what more they can do and how we can do it together. But I think, frankly, we have to create a, a plan that's going to allow us to engage in a way that has a chance of success. And that's not easy, but I think we have to try it. Bob Ray, as always, thank you for your time. Thank you, Ben. Good to talk to you.